Hey everybody, what's going on? Welcome to Vast Church. My name's Pastor Brenton and I want to welcome all of you that are joining us today and everybody that's joining us online. Come on, let's give them a big round of applause. We're so thankful that you are here with us today. Guys, I want to ask you a quick question and today you kind of, you got to be honest with me. We're in church, right? We don't lie in church. All right, so you got to be honest with me. So so how many of y'all love stuff? Come on, who loves stuff? stuff. Raise your hand. Come on, be honest. I myself, I'm a recovering stuff addict. I love stuff. I love buying stuff. I get excited about things that I see that I've, I've never seen before. And I've been like, man, I need that thing. Anybody else feel that way? Anybody else know, know what I'm talking about? Lisa and I, when we first got married, okay, so we thought that, that, that we used to need so much stuff. And we bought anything and everything that we thought that we needed. And so we were double income, no kids, and, and we, were, we were set and we were ready to get our life together. And we, we were ready to get it started right away. So we bought anything and everything that you could possibly ever think of, right? We had new couches, we had new clothes, new blinds, new curtains, new everything. Everything that you could think of, we had to have it. And we used to go to the local Goodwill store almost every single day, and we would make it rain up in that place because they would buy pallets of used, outdated Target stuff, back stock, right? Come on, if you like Target in this place, give me a holla. All right, I love me some Target. And so, so they would sell it for dirt cheap, and we would get, we'd get brand new stuff for like half off at Goodwill. Let's just say that we had a problem. And I would always say to myself, well, it must be God's will for me to have it because it's a good deal, right? Right? So, so here we go. We're going we're gonna to hop into the Bible, right? In 66 books of the Bible, from Genesis to Revelation, the Bible mentions the topic of money more than anything else in the Bible. Isn't that crazy? More than anything else in the Bible, right? Right? Does God really care about money? Yeah, God cares about money. That's how many times it was in the Bible. And for those of you that are parents, back when you had, had your first kid, right, right, and like we're right there right now, right, you, they were perfect in every single way. And every single other kid paled in comparison uh, uh, to, to this kid. And then something happened around the age of uh, 18 months. And this is right around where Emerson's at right now. And so you discovered that they were a wretched sinner. They were a wretched sinner. So, so it typically goes something like this, right? They grab a toy, and then there's, then there's something, uh, 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 there's another kid over, over on the other side, and he wants the same exact toy. And then the words come out of your beautiful child's mouth. Mine, mine, mine. The first glimpse for almost every single human being of sin is the sin of selfishness. And God speaks to us about, about this sin over 2,000 times, uh, uh, 23 Hundred, if we're going to be exact, right, in, in the Bible. I believe uh, that, that this is something that is so important because God knows that selfishness and money and stuff, right, this is competing for our hearts every single day in every single way. This is what is competing for our hearts. 
And so today I want to talk to you about this important thing. And this leads us into, we've been doing over the past four weeks, uh, uh, statements that are our we value statements. And if you have an organization, right, you want to be basing everything off of value statements so you know that you guys are in the right direction, you have the right culture and the right DNA. So that's what we're trying to do here is lay the foundation for our church so we can see where we're going and know where we're going and who we're going to be. So this week is one of my favorites because this is something that God has really worked in me and something that I've had to figure out. And so this one is very, very, very important. So I'm going to read this to you and then we're going to say it together, all right? So we're going to say it out loud after I do this, right? So we will lead the way with irrational generosity. Why? Because we truly believe it is more blessed to give than to receive. And as a church, we're going to say this together, right? This is one of our statements. This is what we believe. So let's say it out loud. Come on, let's sit up. We'll say it with our chest. You ready? We will lead the way with irrational generosity because we truly believe it is more blessed to give than to receive. We will lead the way with a rational generosity. Now, if you were here with us for the last uh, uh, few weeks, uh, what I, I did was I asked you to rate yourself uh, when, when it came to your faith from 1 to 10. And then I asked you uh, from your service, 1 to 10. And so I want to do something again and look at the sliding scale of 1 to 10. And I want you to ask yourself, are you less generous or are you more generous, or are you irrationally generous? And before you go ahead and put something down, let's just, let's just talk it out. Don't put 10 unless you're sinless and you gave your life for the world, okay? Like, don't, do not put 10 unless you are Jesus Christ himself. And then at the same time, don't put a 1 because that's the devil, and we're, gonna believe, we're not going to believe that, that you, uh, you're that bad. So I believe that you probably at least held the door open for somebody, which qualifies you for number 2, all right? I bet you you did something that was at least a little bit generous this week, okay? So I, I want you to put yourself on the scale, and I want you to think about it. And th this takes, this takes a, a, a little work because, because this can be tricky. So, so, so let, 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 let's think about it. So, so you really have a, a lot of money, and you give what most people consider to be a lot, which really isn't that much. And so you could give a big amount, and yet you wouldn't be that generous because it wouldn't even hurt you. You wouldn't even feel it. And then on the other hand, you could be, you could have uh, almost nothing and you give what most people would consider not that much, but for you, it would be everything. It would be so much. It would, it would, it would be like just you gave away so much uh, because it cost you so much more. And so I want you to think about this. Maybe it's not in how much you gave, but, but maybe think about it. Uh, how much did you keep for yourself? That, I think that's fair, right? So, so just go through your mind, and whether you're a, you're a tither, or maybe you have given an offering, or maybe you pray, and, and, and you, you ask God, what, what should I give? Uh, and you're strategic. Maybe you, have, maybe you have a giving budget, and it's put into your budget for your family every single month. And maybe you give a lot of your time, and you serve, and, and, and such. And you, and you might be like a 7, or an 8, or a 9, right? So, so, so you might be, on the other hand, uh, uh, Someone who, who, who finds it very, very difficult to give. And, and I was like that, that for a while, right? And, and you might be one right now that you're kind of angry that we're even talking about this in church, right? Why are they talking about money? Why are we talking about money? Pastor, all he wants is about money. 
Well, let's call it what it is, right? You're sensitive to the subject and you don't, you don't like it. And that could be an indication of your, your scarcity mindset. How much do you keep? How much do you really use to be a blessing to others? And, and so where would you rank yourself on that scale today? Well, well let's go uh, two to nine because we're not going to hit those extremes today. So, so you're not Jesus and you're not the devil. So if you're the devil, please leave as soon as you can. In Jesus' name, get out of this room. Leave in Jesus' name. Get out of here. But, but go ahead and uh, uh, on, your, on your whatever you got. If you got paper or whatever, you should be taking notes today anyways. So write down your number. Where do you feel like you're at from a 2 to a 9? Because you ain't the devil and you ain't Jesus. So, so what I want to do is I want to encourage you, if you're a follower of Jesus today, I want to encourage you to become irrationally generous. Irrationally generous. And you don't have to be a Christian to be irrationally generous. In fact, a lot of non-Christians... Uh, they are crazy, crazy, crazy generous, okay? And so, so if you're a Christian, I believe that you should be irrational generous. And, and you need to be irrationally generous with what God gives you. So in Isaiah 32, verse 8, uh, it says this, but uh, what do generous people do? At all of our churches, let's say this aloud. But generous people plan to do what is generous, and they stand firm in their generosity, they plan to do what is generous. Generous people plan to do what is generous. They stand firm in their generosity, and they plan to do it. Stingy people plan on how they can get more. Myself, right, I often plan on, on, on how I can buy something. If there's something that I really want, I research it, I study it, and I make the kill, right? A generous person does the same thing with giving. They plan how much more they can be generous. They stand firm in their generosity. And when all of the culture says, consume, 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 a generous person, they stand firm. No, 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 no. They say this. No, I give. I give. Because giving is not what just what we do, right? Generosity as Christians, it's who we are. And don't miss the power of that. Giving is not just something that we occasionally do. But generosity is who we are. And what I want to do uh, is, is a little, is, is, is I want to change your mind. I want to change your mind because this is who we're called to be. And what we can see from a generosity standpoint, an abundance mindset, we have the opportunity to change this world. So like I said earlier, God knows that money and things are the number one thing that's competing for your heart. Since we want to be an influential, selfless, caring, generous church, we couldn't be talking about anything more important than this topic alone. So I want to show you something today called, called the scarcity cycle. So, so this is so important, and this affects every single person in this room. If you're rich or you're poor, or you're ugly. No, I'm joking. It doesn't affect you if you're ugly, but if you're ugly, we can pray for you, and we'll help you out. But the scarcity cycle affects the, the generous, right? The poor, the rich, all the above, right? So this is how the scarcity cycle works, right? So God supplies, we begin to consume, then God, what God supplied us, and then after that, we start lacking because we've been, we've been consuming. And after we've been lacking, what, what brings us into what we, we consume, we consume, we consume. And this brings us into a place of fear and anxiety. And so what do we do when we fear? We medicate it more by consumption. 
And the cycle goes on and 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 on. And you never feel like you get out of it because it's a cycle. It's a crazy train. All aboard. Right? Crazy train. So I just want to take this topic a little bit deeper today. And so if you're taking notes, you better be taking notes. You need to write down these thoughts because these are so dang important for your life. So the scarcity cycle, it starts in your mind and not in the wallet. The scarcity cycle starts in your mind and not in the wallet. In Proverbs uh, uh, 23, right, it says this. It says, for as he thinks in his heart, so he is. Every single choice you make, your lifestyle, your behavioral patterns, can all point back to the way that you choose to think about the world, right? So for as he thinks, in his heart, so he is. And I want to challenge you today to ask yourself, uh, uh, really more than, more than that, ask God, God, am I thinking in the right way? God, is my mindset in the right place? And, and so we're going to look at one of the greatest miracles that Jesus ever performed. And so open up your Bible or your Bible app or whatever you got, right? If you got the Bible tattooed on your body, open that sucker up. And let's get into this word today. So we're going to look at one of the greatest stories of things that Jesus ever did. And this is the story of when Jesus fed the 5,000. But, but I need to give you a little bit of context as we go into this story because, because he didn't actually feed 5,000, right? He actually fed more like Fifteen to 20,000? Yeah. So is the Bible lying? Nope. Here's what's going on. So in the time of Christ, the Jews, whenever they counted uh, uh, crowds, they would only count adult men. This is what they would count. And so this doesn't include the children. It doesn't include the women, the wives. Uh, and so the reality is that Jesus uh, is about to preach and is about to feed the equivalent of an NBA arena an nba uh, an nba arena that's an audience right that is a lot of people and so so that's the context and we're going to read through this entire text starting in verse 34 so let's open up our bibles to mark 6 and let's read this story together so when jesus landed and he saw a, a large crowd he had compassion on them because they were like they were like sheep without a shepherd so we began teaching them many things by this time. So watch this, watch this here. So by this time, it was very late in the day. So the disciples came to him and said, this is a remote place, they said. And it is already very late. Would you look at that? Look at the time. So, so Jesus, uh, hey Jesus, send the people away so that they can go to the surrounding countryside and the villages and buy. So everybody, let's say this together, and buy and buy themselves something to eat. So I, I, I can just picture this, right? I can just picture this. Peter comes up, and he's like, Jesus, man, the sermon is lit, bro. This is amazing. And, and that 18th point that you made, how many of you glad that I'm not preaching an 18-point message today? Praise the Lord, right? So you can get out there, and you get the lunch. Come on, get some lunch. But that 18th point that you made, man, that was life-changing. I'm totally putting that on my Instagram page. Man, how, hey, did you know what, what, you know what, the sun, well, well, of course you know about it because, yeah, it's sitting right now, it's coming down, the daylight's about to go away, and there's not going to, there's not really an Applebee's nearby, so, so 
we just had a, a great, I mean, I mean, fine, they could all stay here all night, but really, uh, Andrew, Philip, you know, all the disciples, right, they're all getting kind of hungry, right, so why don't you just dismiss everybody so that they can go to the neighborhood nearby and get something to eat, right? That's what, that's what he was like. So, and I want you to notice something here. The disciples, what were they focused on in this moment? The disciples were more focused on on a word that you're going to see over and over and over again, right? So that they can buy themselves something to eat. And Jesus, what was Jesus focused on? Jesus wasn't focused on buying. Jesus was focused on giving, right? Jesus was focused on giving. He said, you give. Everybody say this with me. You give, right? Right? You give, you give, you give, you give. This is what Jesus was always talking about. Jesus was always flipping the psychological tables on everybody. It was amazing. So, so see, the disciples were preoccupied with what they were going to have to spend. And Jesus didn't say a word about what they were going to have to buy. He simply said, you give. You give something to eat. You give something to eat. And then, okay, well, they, they said to him, and here we go with money again. All right, so... That's going to take more than a year and a half wages. Are we going to go and spend that much on bread and give that to them to eat? There's no way that we can do that. And so, so Jesus then asked the question that, that I pray that you are going to ask yourself today in this room. Ready? What do you have? What do you have? How many loaves of bread do you have? Go and see. And so they did. They went and they found out what, what they had. So they found a little boy that happened to have five loaves of barley and extra credit. You didn't ask for this. We got a couple perched to go along with that bread. All right? Awesome, right? So, so this story is happening. The story is going along. And then they're all in the middle of it. But here's what you're going to see. Two groups of people viewing the same situation with two radically different mindsets. The disciples' view uh, through this whole process and this whole story was, was scarcity. And what is that, right? There's not enough. Uh, it's going to run out. It's laughable how much we have in comparison to what we need. Have you ever been there? Come on. Let's be honest in this room. I've been there. I know that I've been there. I'm still there. The church is still there. We live by faith and not by sight. But listen, guess what? We've all been there in this scarcity mindset. And so, so, so uh, uh, are, are you living in that position right now? Are you living with that, that mindset? Are you living with, with that, hey, we're never going to be able to get, get, get ahead, right? If something breaks, we're screwed, right? If something, a medical bill comes in, we're not going to be able to pay it. And so, so it is ridiculous what I have right now in light of what I need. And so I'm not trying to, trying to dismiss all those crises that we face in our families and our lives, but we find ourselves in those seasons sooner or later. And so, so you let, if you let that get in your head, the, the circumstance, the isolated circumstance becomes the mindset for the rest of your life. And then there's never going to be enough. And I need to tell you this today, church. That is simply not true. That is a lie, and that is not the truth, the way that we view the world is through the lens that Jesus viewed the world in. And Jesus viewed this world in a totally different lens. He viewed this through the lens of abundance, abundance, abundance. Abundance is simply the belief that there is more than enough. That You fast forward to the end of the story. At the end of the miracle, the scripture says that, that all of them ate and all of them were satisfied. Every single person there all ate and they all were satisfied. 
And then the disciples then, in, when they were, went around, they were cleaning up. After the, the 15 to 20,000 people that were there, the disciples picked up 12 baskets full of broken pieces that were left over. Everybody in this room, let's say left over. One, two, three. Left over. There was 12 baskets full left over. So just track with me for a, for a minute, right? They started out with five loaves and two fish, and the disciples were like, bro, that's not going to be enough. Jesus, that's not going to be enough. But listen, they went and they picked up 12 baskets full of broken pieces that were left over. Over. Right? Right? That is more than enough. That is more than enough. And they were like, oh, Jesus, that's laughably small. How are we going to feed everybody with this? Jesus said it just like this. It is plenty. There is more than enough. There is more than enough. So church, this is the idea that I want you to get in your mind today. That scarcity asks, what can I afford? And abundance asks, what do I have? Because there is so much more from where that came from. God's economy is very, very different than this world. When we follow Jesus, he completely redefines what can be done with a little. I need you to hear me on something. Many of us have this mindset when, when my bank account is bigger, when my, my salary is higher, or when, when, when uh, my tax return comes in. That's when I'm going to be open-handed. I need you to understand this today. You are lying to yourself. You are lying to yourself. I talked about this uh, before. The more that we make, the tighter our grip becomes on what we have. We need to start today. We need to start with the mindset of what do I have, God? Everything that I have is yours. When, 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 I, when I have uh, uh, you, God, when, when you're in my life and I'm doing what you've called me to do and I'm being obedient with my times, my talents, my treasure, right? God, everything that I have, you multiply it and you make the difference. I can also add this, right? Coming to church on Sunday mornings, right? You come to church on Sunday mornings, you give that, that first of your week to God, he's going to bless it. He's going to use it. And he's going to multiply the other rest of your day so you can get more done and you can actually have more time to yourself. But if you say, oh, I don't have enough time to go to church on Sunday mornings because I don't ever get to see my family or I don't ever get to do any of the things uh, that I need to do. Well, guess what? You're not going to see God's blessing on your life because you're not giving him the first. And this is the same thing with with all areas of our life. We need to have put God first in our mind. And in God's economy, everything works in a different cycle. So, so uh, you need to say this. Say, God, everything that I have is yours. Use it in whatever way that you want. Here's my thing. Here's the thing. And, and, and so, so the disciples, right, all of the people that were around Jesus, and when they got closer to Jesus, we realized that he completely redefines what can be done with a little bit. And if you have the mindset of fear, scarcity, there's not enough, I'm going to run out, that, that your life will be marked with fear and anxiety. And this is not what God wants for your life. This is not who he wants you to be. This is not part of being a Christ follower. Okay? And, and, and listen, this is not how we view Christ's economy. Jesus said it himself in the Gospel of John, chapter 10, verse 10, A thief comes to kill, steal, and destroy. But I came for a different purpose. Jesus said, I came so that you might have life and that you might have it more abundantly. 
everything about the nature of God is more than enough. It's extravagant. It's abundant. It's in his nature. And therefore, a life of his children adopted into his family have to be abundant. There is more than enough. There is more than enough. So why do so few of us experience this? Honestly, why? Why do so few of us experience this? How do we experience this life of abundance? I want to talk to you about two things for the rest of our time, about how we can experience God's abundance. And there are many other things that we can do to experience God's abundance, but I want to focus in on these two, right? So if you're taking notes, the first thought that you need to write down today is write this down. God multiplies what is blessed. God multiplies what is blessed, okay? So, so when he was feeding the 5,000, they say they sat down uh, in groups of hundreds and fifties, and he took the five loaves and the two fishes, and he looked up to the heaven, and he did a powerful thing, right? He prayed over it. He prayed over it. He blessed it, and then he gave it, right? So the blessing of God over anything in our life, it does a powerful thing. It does a very powerful thing. And so how does that relate to our finances? How does this relate to our generosity? Returning what is not ours and never has been yours, uh, to whom it belongs, God's tithe, the first 10% of our income, is holy and set apart. It, it belongs to me. This is what God says. He says, it belongs to me. Returning it to the one whom it belongs to releases blessing over every other part of your life. And what's crazy is if you're not giving the 10%, if you're not giving the first 10% of what is blessed and you're blessing it and saying, God, here it is, you are living underneath a curse. Your life is under a curse. And so, so you are not experiencing the blessing of God over your finances. And so I'm going to look at the same passage uh, that we looked at uh, uh, a little bit ago, but uh, through a little bit of a different lens. So if we want to look at Malachi 3.10. Now here's what I need you to know. Malachi was a minor prophet. He's one of the last three prophets of God before the birth of Jesus. And so Malachi is speaking to the people of God as the voice of God. And Scripture says this. He says, bring the whole tithe. Everyone say, whole tithe. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse so that there might be food in my house. Now, people would say, well, I, I, I've, I've had it said that the tithe is 10% of my income. Right? That's not true. The tithe is... The tithe is the first 10% of your income. The first 10%. And I'm telling you that God has to be first. And when God is first in every single area of our life, our life is in order. He says, bring the whole tithe in the storehouse so that there might be food in my house. God says this. He says, test me in this. Test me in this. I dare you. Test me in this. Just test me and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven. And I will pour out so much blessing upon you that there will not be enough room to store it. What God is saying is that there is more than you can imagine. That there is like this huge lake behind a dam waiting to pour out into our lives. And it's not that God is just stingy saying, hey, as soon as you pay up, uh, I'm going to throw you a bone. No, 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 no. That's not what he's saying. That's not what he's saying at all. He says, when I find a heart that puts me first, that, that there is a heart that I can entrust the abundance of heaven to, because uh, if, if my heart was all about me, Right? I, I wouldn't receive God's blessing. But, but God blesses people with the right heart. And when, when, if God blessed us with what we actually wanted, it would be destructive. If we weren't doing it in God's order, it would destroy us. 
Okay, and, and but he says this. He says, but when I see a heart that has put me, uh, put me in my and and put faith in action through the tithe, now that's a heart that I can bless, and that's uh, that that I can release the abundance of heaven onto. Same thing with with being radically generous, right? When we listen to the Lord and we listen to the Holy Spirit, we do and we we do what He says to do, and when He tells us to give. To somebody or to, hey, give, give away your car, give away your finances, give away this or give away a guitar. Or, and this is all the examples that I've had in my life where God said, give away this. And I did. And it was like it really hurt, but I did it. Right. We saw him bless us over and above that every single time. And it's all about listening to the Holy Spirit and being generous in doing the things that he's called us to do. So the other uh, 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 the other thing is. Right. If you feel stuck in your faith journey and tithing isn't a part of your life, I want to see you do this. I want to, I want to watch you do this because guess what? Your faith in, is going to skyrocket, right? Because you're going to watch God doing some amazing things, right? Because I'm telling you, your soul was made for this. Some of you say, well, I just want God to multiply. I want multiplication. And God is saying, you know what? I'm waiting for you to give. I'm waiting for you to trust. It starts with a step of faith. And if this is an area of your life that you feel like you're hitting a break, a, a brick wall uh, in, in your in your faith walk, right? I want to see you do this because you're going to see the doors unlock and you're going to see generosity. You're going to see a breakthrough in your relationships. You're going to see a breakthrough in, in your family. You're going to see breakthrough in, in your bills getting paid and checks showing up and money showing up out of nowhere. And we have been able to see God bless us over and over and over again because, like, the only way that this church was even built or my family is still alive or together is because we have been faithful in giving God what, what he asks of us, and he has taken care of us every single step of the way. And so let's hop back into this story, and we're going to wrap it up. So we're going to look at how the miracle happened. So we already know that there's 12 baskets full left over, and how did that happen? The scripture says that, that Jesus said, we gave thanks and we broke the loaves. He gave them to the disciples to do what? He gave them to the disciples so that they could give them to the people. So in order to feed the fifteen to 20,000 people, they would roughly need an equivalent of about three semi-trailers full of bread and fish, right? So, And this story was told in all four Gospels. So this was recorded in history by all four men uh, at separate occasions, separate times, different locations, and kept for thousands of years to where we have it in our Bibles now. Same story, it's accurate, you can go look it up. And so when God said, the moment he said amen, after he blessed it, he gave it to the disciples to distribute it to the people. And when th this miracle happened, when did it happen? It happened when they began to give it away. To give it away. Are you tracking me where I'm going with this? They gave it away. When did the miracle take place in their life? When is the miracle going to take place in your life? The miracle doesn't take place in your life when you're sitting there with scarcity mindset. Oh, God, I'm so scared. I'm so scared. Blah, blah, blah. I don't know what to do. No, no, no. The moment the miracle happened, the blessing was released under their life, was the moment that they gave it away. I don't know who I'm speaking to today, but I know that you're waiting for a miracle. And we're going to go into a time of tithes and offerings. And if you look at your, your card that you have sitting on your seat, on the back of it, there is a, a, a tithe challenge. And I want to challenge you to give God 90 days. Trust him in this for 90 days and wait and see if God does not bless the pants off of you. And the moment doesn't wait when you say, God, I need the money, I need the money, I need the money. No, no, no. The moment it happens is when you're generous and you give it away. You give it away. It should be no surprise when, when in Solomon, in Proverbs 11, right, it says that, that one person gives freely. This is the economy of God. Church, when one 
person gives freely, yet he gains even more. And other that and another withholds unduly. There is not enough. I'm afraid that we're gonna run out. I'm, I don't know how we're gonna do this. I don't know. And you keep holding on. You keep holding on. And keep holding on. And so a generous man will prosper. He who refreshes others himself will be refreshed. Right? We even talked about when we give away our time, when we give away our, our everything, that is when we become filled back up again. When we give, when we give away, we become filled back up. And so this is an adventure. This is fun. And, and it's not, uh, it's not uh, all, all, all for you, right? Like we don't, we don't have a, a reservoir of things. We are conduits of God's resources to place wherever he wants them. Wherever he wants them. This isn't about us. This is about everybody as a group. And in, in Acts 4, we see the generosity played out in the early church, right? If you haven't read the book of Acts uh, in the Bible, it's all about how the early church started. Let's, let's read this together, and let's, let's watch this value of radical generosity played out within the early church. So all of the believers were one heart and one mind. No one claimed that any of their possessions were theirs. Or, or were their own, but they shared everything that they had. They had, with great power, the apostles continued to testify of the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. And God's grace was so powerfully at work in all of them that there was no needy person among them. There wasn't any, right? And, and, and so, so from that time, to, uh, to those who owned land or houses, they sold them and they brought the money from the sales and they put it at the apostles' feet. And it was distributed to anybody that needed it. Joseph, a Levite from Cyprus, whom the apostles called Barnabas, right? Which, which means son of encouragement, sold the field he owned, and he brought the money, and he put it at the apostles' feet. And in, in verse 34, he says, And God's grace was so powerfully at work. Where, where was it at work? Say it with me. His grace was so powerfully at work within them. Not just some but the whole church of Jesus Christ. His grace was at work with them so that there would be no needy person among them. Could that be possible today? Well, I'm here to tell you that, that if all the churches would get on fire and realize that we lead the way with irrational generosity because we truly believe that it's better to give than to receive, right? I believe that we can meet the needs of some of our people in this community, and I believe that we could get their attention. I visualize a church that is so irrationally generous that we could start with the tithe at the beginning point, and then, then they gave offering even above that. I see a group of people who are not entitled uh, to see themselves uh, uh, as, as just, oh, it's all about me. But, but, it, but they see that, that they have been entrusted with God's resources and that they have been given uh, uh, so much. Therefore, God expects so much more out of them. I see a group of people who deeply believe with all their hearts that it was more uh, uh, blessed to give than to receive. Right, and I don't know how many of you guys believe believe this out there, but but I want to see you uh, blessed, and I want to see you be so generous. I want to see this kind of church in and through our community, and that is the moment that 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 we tell them we tell them about our generous God, that that the God who gave us more than we could ever ask for or imagine, and loved us so much that He gave His one and only Son, that whoever so believes in Him would not perish but have eternal life. And if you're not a Christian man, I hope that you are irrationally generous. Because you can make a big difference. But if you're a follower of Jesus, you should be so irrationally generous because we serve the most generous God that gave it all for us. Therefore, we should lead the way with irrational generosity because as followers of Jesus, we truly believe that it is more blessed to give than to receive. 
let's bow our heads today in this place. We're going to pray. So, Father, I pray today that, that, that you would stir within our hearts of a church today, that if we're threes or fours or fives, that you would move us to be eight or nines, God. God, that you would, that all of us um, uh, in our church, that, that if you would just take a moment to reflect today, let me ask you a very simple question. I don't really care where you're at right now uh, or where you fall on the scale, but, but, but you, you, uh, you wanted to be more generous. You want to have an abundant life. You want to have an abundant mindset. And you want to give not only out of obligation or, or duty, but you want to plead in the, in, in the privilege of being able to share in the blessings of giving and making a difference in the lives of others. And so God, if this is your heart today, God, help us with our time. God, help us with our resources. God, help us in our hearts to be more generous. Church, if you'd like to move up in that scale in generosity and lead the way with a irrational generosity representing our, our generous God, would you lift your hands all across this room today? Let's put our hands up in this place. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. I believe in the hands are going up all over the place. God, thank you so much for people who are really beginning to grasp who we are and what you've done for us. God, we want to show love to others. God, I pray that, that we would start uh, uh, beginning to, to be generous in our church and that, that God, a, 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 as the church, we be generous with the world. God, God, we see ourselves not as the church being people in a building, but we see ourselves as the church bringing the people in the community, giving things away, looking for opportunities to make a difference in the lives of others. Holy Spirit, I pray today that you would work in our hearts, that you would move us all to a greater place of irrational generosity. Believe in God, that, that, that you're an abundant God, God, and, and, and that you want to bless those that give and give generously, God, because you are a God of blessing. And if we are made in your image, we're going to act and do the things that you've called us to do. So we keep praying across our church today. I want everybody to look up here and nobody, nobody's head looking down, eyes wide open. And I'm so, I'm so afraid that, that there are so many people that, that know about God but do not know him personally. And I, I want you to hear this, that God loves you so much. It doesn't matter how alone you feel. It doesn't matter how, uh, uh, how or if you even believe in him. It doesn't even matter if you feel like, like you're, you're mad at him. He loves you. And he did something for you that all of us had a... That, that, that there's no way that we could do it. And it's it literally, we have a hard time wrapping our minds around it. He became uh, one of us, right? He came down from heaven. And he became the person of Jesus. He was God in flesh who was without sin. And he gave his life so that we could be forgiven. Our only reasonable response, and I, I'm, you know what? Our only reasonable response is to give our lives back to him. And you say, I want to be like Jesus. I want to follow him. I want to commit my life completely to him. I want to commit my life to him today. I want to give it to him. If, if this is you across this, this room today, I want you to recognize this. Maybe you're just a church guy. You've gone to church your whole life, but you never really bought in. You've never really let himself into your heart. You've never made that decision of saying, okay, you know what? I'm going to go all in. I'm going to be real about this, and I'm not going to play games anymore with God. This is going to be a real thing, right? I want you today I want you today to publicly in front of everybody and say, you know what? He gave his life for me. I'm going to give my life for him. I'm going to become a follower of Jesus, and I need my sins forgiven. This is not just a word, but this, this is what I believe with my whole heart, right? If this is you today, 
and you say, you know what, I know that's me, in front of God and everybody, I will say publicly today that I surrender my life to Jesus. By faith, I'm giving my life to Him. If that's your prayer, lift up your hands right now across this place. Lift up your hands across this place. Come on, let's give our hands, let's just put our hands together for those people that are making that decision. If you, come on, let's not wait, let's put up your hands. Come on, come on, Jesus wants to change your life. Let's, let's give it all in, let's do it all in. Let's go all in. If that was your prayer, let's pray this together. Let's bow our heads, nobody prays alone. Let's pray this together in this room. Jesus, I pray, Heavenly Father, and I give my life to you because Jesus, you died for me and I give it all to you. Forgive me on my sins. Make me brand new. Would you be my Lord and Savior? Holy Spirit, fill me so that I could serve you well. Make me like you, Jesus, so that I can live for you. My life is not my own. I give it all to you. Thank you, Jesus, for new life. And I give you mine. In Jesus' name. I pray, amen. Come on, church. Come on, team. Let's give it up for all those that made that decision today. Let's give it all to them. Those that were born, heaven is celebrating. This is a new day for them. Come on, come on, come on. Let's give it all to Jesus today. Guys, I want to thank you so much for coming out to Vast Church today. We're going to bring up our, our church MC, and he's going to close it out with some announcements, and uh, we got a video for this next new series that's coming up real shortly. Guys, I'm so excited for you. I'm excited to see what God's going to do in your life, and I promise if you are generous, God is going to always, always, always give you back more than you give him. Guys, God bless. I love you.